Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. We all kind of expected this to, to happen. And you try to work together to make it happen. Um, and, and in this case, obviously the result was Zadarius Smith being moved. Kevin O'Connell and Josh McDaniels are, are really close. Josh has been a mentor of Kevin's for a long time. So um, I expect some like fun, uh, a little back and forth lead up in that week. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and you know, it's a lot to talk about this week. It's just the small things that have been happening around here. I've got Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson with me, Eric Davidson putting the edit together as always. And guys, right out of the gate, I mean, Tuesday morning, Vikings officially announce they've traded Zadarius Smith. This frees up some cap space. They also received fifth round picks in 2024 and 2025. Browns get 6th and 7th rounders in 2025. You know, later on in the show, we have the Athletics' Alec Lewis as our guest to talk a little bit more about it. And his cohort, Jeff Howe, one of the NFL writers over there, gave Cleveland an A grade and Vikings a C grade. How are you feeling about that? I know I work for the Vikings, but that's pretty fair. For the caliber of player that Zadarius Smith is... To only get two fifth rounders in return in 2025, like that is a, uh, I don't, I don't think that's the biggest win unless you just wanted to get rid of him. Well, you get the um, money, some money back. Yeah, that yeah. was my thought. Was the flexibility of the salary cap is probably one of the bigger, you know, elements of that. I understand when you look at it on paper and you see the actual individual trade pieces to yeah. that. That you look at it and say you, you feel like you may maybe could have gotten something more. I think the flexibility is the thing that they wanted the most. And, and the fact that you sent him to Cleveland, he's in the AFC, so you're not necessarily going to have to see him, you know, that often. Um, and kind of, you know, just kind of moving him off the books and, and, and getting him out if he was unhappy just to be able to move on from him. I, I kind of saw that as more of the win side of it was just freeing up that salary cap side. Un- unless there's going to be a, a major announcing of a signing this week, I, I just don't see it. Like, I, I still don't see, like, the – the long-term win in this. Uh, yeah, he was unhappy, I mean, would it, allegedly. Would it have been a cancer in the locker room, though? I mean, cancer may be a strong word, but I look like at a it disruption. As a, but I look at it as a business, too, right? Like, yeah, disruption or whatever you want to call it, allegedly. What can we get in return? Like, we're trying to win now. And, yeah, that Marcus Davenport is a great player, but does that mean Daniil gets that money? Like, like we, we don't know. So, like, my initial, that's my initial thoughts is, like, yeah, he he wanted to be out, so he got out. But like, man, what about next year? Like, are we getting anything? Like a third rounder next year? So that that was my initial thoughts. But I'm not in those meeting rooms, so who who who's to know if there's a longer oh, I mean, longer play here or what the other offers were? Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. this was the best thing. I look at it as if if you had a guy like him, you know, the first half of the season last year when he was on a tear, it was great. You know, it just felt it was awesome. He had nine and a half sacks, and you're just sitting there looking at it, saying. This is exactly what we wanted. This is what we bought into. Yeah. And then for the second half of the season to only have half a sack and just go, and that's the other thing. Like you don't know if there were other things behind the scenes, whether you know he had medical issues and stuff in the past. You just don't know why he completely fell off a shelf there for that second half. 
But then there was this, you know, definitive thing that's been, I guess, out in the public, especially on his side, where he was just kind of like, you know, he was very upset and frustrated with the way things had gone, especially the back half of last season. And for whatever reason, you know, it was more of a thing of I, I, I just looked at it as if you're as strapped as you were salary cap wise, you got a guy here who doesn't want to be here. You can play hardball and try to hold on to him all summer and see if you can get something more. But it's also the leverage side of if you're a, tra- a side that's trying to make a trade and everyone knows that's the case mm-hmm. and they know that you need to do something to help yourself out and you're, you're cash strapped. Like, I don't think people are going to be you know beating down the door to say, here's everything we, you want that we're going to give to you. Totally. To me, it was more of a, a thing of, listen, man, like you, you kind of got to make that decision. And if you do it now before you really get going with all the mini camps and everything else. You just kind of get that chapter out the door and, you know, kind of move on at this point. So it's a fifth rounder in next, I guess, 2024 and a fifth rounder in 2025. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. But we gave away a sixth and a seventh in 2025. Yes. So I think that's why I'm like, that's, I think my initial impression when I saw it, like I was like, I, I think I was like, uh, I was eating, I was eating a taco. <laughs> it was Taco Tuesday or something. And um, I saw it and I'm like, that's it? So that's that's still that's still seller, my initial a, impression. I like Jay's point. It was like a seller's market, right? Or not? Sorry, it's a buyer's market because like they were really looking to yeah. offload that. Clearly, it was they were shopping it around, and then you know you have to take the best deal you can get. And um, you know, a it C, makes sense. Yeah, too. I mean, I, look, I could, if I got a C on a paper, I'd be that I was like trying to real do really well at and didn't know if I could complete. I'd take a C. And I guess, but here's the thing, like, I mean, okay, if, you're, if your best friend gets an A and you get a C. Well, yeah, if it's something I don't get, like, okay, if we're going to sit down and take a math test, like, yeah. let's be honest, like, let's just do basic algebra <laughs> and I get a C, yeah. that is a, that's a victory for me. <laughs> I guess for, for me, you know, somewhat using that analogy, I, I just, we think it's a win for Cleveland, but we don't know what his production is going to be. Yeah. You know, we look at this thing too, as uh, think about, they're going to pay him what essentially what he wants. They're looking at it from their standpoint of they're going to try and bookend him. <laughs> He's you know? not going to be there. But, but, that's, but see, that's the thing. <laughs> like, if you look at this thing long term, he might be done and we're still reaping draft picks yeah, from this thing. So it, th- there's going to be ramifications like fall out from, from this move. We're sitting here now saying we expect him going in there and having 10 sacks next year plus, you know, double digits, and they're going to get everything they want out of him. You're hoping if you're Cleveland that he's going to be on the field for the entire season and produce. So, for me, I it's always the gut reaction thing of, uh, oh, they got an A, we got a C, whatever. I, I I just think if both parties are looking to move on from this thing, you just have to kind of cut cords sometimes and just move on and see what happens from there. Could be the best fifth round pick in NFL history. <laughs> you know, worked we've out seen, pretty we've well. Seen crazier things. Yeah, Vikings also announcing on Tuesday morning the dates and times of preseason games. TBD uh, to the trip (laughs) over in Seattle. So that's uh, up in the air for the first one of the year. But for you Vikings fans who love a good home game at U.S. Bank Stadium, 8-19 at 7 o'clock against Tennessee. So August 19th, that's a Saturday. Then the next Saturday, August 26th, is at noon against the Cardinals. And then you got another home game, September 10th, to open up the season. So, you know, it's a nice little home stretch there before we go pretty much almost every other uh, for the rest of the year. Um, Inklings that there could be some joint practices potentially. Obviously, when you have those two home games, we do know the staff likes to have joint practices with their preseason opponents. It would be really cool to see 
either Tennessee or Arizona here. Yeah, that that tells me that. Um, I mean, I know this doesn't help sell tickets for preseason games, but that tells me that starters will not play in any preseason games this year. Like when you have possibly two back-to-back joint practices, a lot of those starters are going to get reps in two in two days of those practices. That Wednesday and Thursday practice, like tickets should be sold out for both of those weeks um, because you have two really good opponents, but at the same time, U.S. Bank uh, gives fans another opportunity to see you know some of these young guys play, but still, like you – it's so good to have that last Saturday noon game because if if you are an, an employee, <laughs> you get off at 4 p.m. on a Saturday or 5 p.m. on a Saturday and, and get the rest of your weekend. Sunday. Exactly. And then you get a full week of no game. So what? Listen, it's better than it used to be where you would play at Seattle for that final one. They Oof. would they would set the time so they would start at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Mm. And then the, the plane wasn't getting home till 5 in the morning and no, everyone was just, you, you know, zombies walking off the plane. But um, you know, joint practices, uh, think about last year with San Francisco and how beneficial that felt like that was just to kind of see somebody else across from you and another team and kind of gauge yourself as to where you were. I mean, last year we saw that pass rush in person during those joint practices and you started to really realize and understand kind of what they were working with. And it was, I think it's good to get um, kind of uh, ones versus ones in a situation where, like you were just talking, maybe you don't get that in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see Tennessee and, and kind of what they're working with. Uh, there's a lot of question marks in Tennessee as far as what their offense is going to be You know, yeah. going into the season. Same thing with Arizona. Everyone assumes a guy like Kyler Murray is going to step up here. But, again, there's just a lot of question marks on both of those teams, and I think it'd be fun to see our team going against both those squads if we get a chance at that. And all those rumors about potentially a Will Levis of the Vikings trade, compliments <laughs> of our front office, and now he would potentially be on our field for a couple of practices. Yeah, interesting to see. You've, you've seen a bunch of Will Levis highlights that have already been popping during even just their rookie camp. You know? Oh, I don't. I mean, but it's fun. Com- no, I, no, 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 no. It's social media. They're it's doing a good media. job. You're They're, doing a good but job. But it's fun. Titans. The Titans yeah. social media game's been a hundred lately. Let's That's be honest. But it's fun because. You know, you see a guy like that, you think it was the kind of Aaron Rodgers-esque drop in the draft. Uh, he got to the second round. The Tennessee Titans took the chance on him, and uh, he will be one of those guys that people are going to be watching all preseason long, and if we get to see him up close and personal, it'll be fun. It's funny. I didn't see any highlights from any of the team's rookie minicamps where people were dropping the balls or misfiring. That's so I'm just true. saying. Uh, I mean, those, <laughs> were, those were left it's, on it's the cutting It's all about optics. <laughs> optics. Optics. And I'm sure, you know, Never mind, I won't say that. No, I was going to but, say Malik Willis, being a former Liberty Flame. Uh-huh. No, you there got may to. be an opportunity there for him go. to get another opportunity elsewhere. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm happy for Will Levis. I think Will Le- that's like the best case scenario for him. So uh, he will be surely tested by our, our defense here if we have joint practices with the Tennessee Titans. For sure. Well, speaking of optics and schedule release and all the fun things, that was obviously quite a Thursday last week when we saw – all of the releases of every team's schedule videos, ranging from like a 30-second Cardinals one to like movie productions that are 10 minutes long. Um, I will. I think it was the Colts that may have been 10 minutes. Not going to lie, didn't watch it. I don't have a 10-minute <laughs> tension span at all. That's fair. That's fair. Did you – well, first of all, let's talk about ours. Yeah. And then maybe we'll get into ones that we thought were pretty cool. Um, I know I'm sure – Gabe can echo this sentiment, but it was pretty cool 
from our standpoint to actually be thought of to be included in like bits and pieces of it to yeah. have like a moment where you're going to be able to always remember like hey I was a part of that yeah especially if this is a Super Bowl winning team Ooh, it's like this is where better. it started this even is where it better. started in the studio me PA Ron Johnson Tatum Everett TJ Hawkinson running camera TJ John Randall in, in the auditorium yeah. like that that was a really cool production and being a part of that was really cool um, I know there were a lot of uh, I guess undertones in there that you I can didn't say it. see you can say it Easter eggs. There you go. <laughs> Easter egg. I just I didn't know what Easter eggs was until Tatum explained it to me off camera. I was like, Easter eggs is not even. Yeah, that's April. there's like a bunch of jokes in there, right? Like a Christmas time kind of a game cameos by people. Um, I, I thought just that was the fun the, little bits. It yeah. was, and I mean, you know, not that you guys see this part, but like they took over our facility. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and so uh, everyone was involved: the players, the coaches, the staff. Like everyone was having a great time. Um, and then, and I think it's a, it was like a little morale booster. It was really neat. I think the the best part that I heard, I know behind the scenes is um, next on the the list, but behind the scenes, the Kirk Cousins throwing the football bit that was filmed at like six forty five a.m. I don't know. Well, I was telling people yesterday, Kirk is a uh, he's a, a Outlook calendar type of guy. Sure. So you have to email his request earlier in the week, and he basically said he has either before seven. Or right after practice, and we we're like, "Well, we can't do it after practice." So Before that crew seven. came in at six forty-five, and they did it, and it turned out it to worked be. Out. I mean, you saw the van. Yeah, van off the white. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was great. I, I enjoyed the video. It was, it was really cool. And I think after you win, you know, the free agency A plus report card, you should show off your facility. Right. Yeah. Why right. not? And it was kind of fun. I think my favorite nugget that I heard after the fact was uh, at the very end of the video, John Randall is hitting golf balls off the top of the wolf deck. <laughs> and uh, when they went to go look for the golf balls uh, down below to, to clean everything up, all of them were kind of uh, placed neatly within the same area. That's no. how good John is at golf. <laughs> wow. Is that he was hitting the same swing and they went down there and all the golf balls were sitting right next to each other. Dang. So it was pretty impressive. Elite. And it wasn't even Purple Friday. <laughs> exactly. That's impressive. Yeah, well, we guys, we, we guys, we hope that you enjoyed the video as much as we did. Um, you know, but I, I, I was, I'm not gonna lie to you, I felt like a kind of a kid on Christmas. I'm a little bit of a content nerd sometimes. And so when those videos came out, I, I watched probably half of them. Because, I, again, attention span is very limited. But I probably watched half of the videos. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have any personal favorites. I thought one of the creative ones that was put out there was Jacksonville. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> it was, was pretty, pretty good cool. yeah. with the whole idea of, you know, the league is fixed and it's not, you know, the games aren't real. That's just everything is written by your mm-hmm. script writers. I thought that was a funny take on, on the whole thing. And they had ownership buy-in and everything. With oh, the too, ownership so was great. It was fun. It was, you know. Even with uh, uh, Khan saying, you know, goes down to his mustache was all, you know, <laughs> drawn up by the writers. Yeah. It was perfect. It got funnier as you went on, which yeah. I think is so important. I mean, the Saints tried to do a script writing one and it didn't hit the same at sure. all. I, I, um, that's the Saints for you. But They no, tried. But here's the thing. You <laughs> yeah. know, one of the things that's, that I find interesting is <laughs> double doink. you see the ones that are the more organically built versus the full production side of it. And that was actually one of them where you see this giant, long, you know, clever video and then you get to the very end and the last 10 seconds is the actual schedule i think yeah. that's what's trending <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, trending yeah. towards because okay. there's so many leaks and that, well, no but i think more it's more of the we have so much production to do on the front end that once the schedule comes out we just have to slap it up as a graphic yeah. just because that's uh, the fulfillment of the whole thing from a perspective of having to try and 
figure that stuff out the yeah. day of and be rushed. I mean, that 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 was shot, you know, oh, sure. on Wednesday before the Thursday release. So that would that would is the smart way of also not being so stressed out. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the Panthers did something like that also. Um, yeah, they did a bunch of sketches. Yeah, Those were, of, that was a good one. And I know like for their, God, they did something for the draft where they, where they used Luke Keekley, And like, you can tell that that's going to be a continuation of yeah. uh, a shoot that they're going to do during the season. But I thought like that symphony shoot that who knows where they got that from. They were going to use that for the uh, actual uh, schedule release, but they didn't. But I thought the Panthers did a good job. But one of my favorite ones was um, the Falcons. The fact that they teased Quavo's album release with that, <laughs> I was like, man, that is like really, really cool. The fact that you could, I mean, to have that platform to promote your album with the yeah. schedule, I mean, that's like prime time for That's a lifestyle, consumers. sports, total integration. I mean, they have so much culture there. And the mm-hmm. fact that they had the opportunity to tap into that. I was really impressed with with how they did that, as well as the uh, the Houston Texans. I thought the Texans did a really good job of like tapping into like what their what their identity is, and and not really going too far mainstream and mm-hmm. just just being who they were. So I would, those are probably my two favorites. I think the Falcons was the best social media phone one. Yeah, because there were a couple that were like That's TikTok or like the Chiefs were like it was like players checking in and looking around, like all those kinds of like. Uh, like social media themed yeah. ones, yeah. I thought the Falcons was definitely the best. I'm not going to lie to you though. The one thing that I did not, I could not get on board with was this AI robot yeah. written stuff. Like yeah. I know people really liked the Lions, but I just didn't think it was funny. What about the Chargers? I'm not an anime person and I'm kind of uh, like. I thought the anime was pretty cool. I mean, the anime looked amazing, but I'm just not, it's just not my, my jam. Like yeah. I, I have respect for yeah. it. It's not the anime to me within that video. You could put, you could do anything you wanted stylistically. Yeah. As we just talked about, it is the Easter eggs that is in every single That's one true. of those. There things. was a lot yeah. of Easter that eggs. That is incredible. Yeah. That I I went through. I had people that said, "Wait, you didn't the actually type one. this out." And I said, "Oh, absolutely, I did." <laughs> I went through that thing like the the Sapruder film and went <laughs> went uh, section by it. section everything that's in there. And there's so many Easter eggs. In that thing, uh, it's pretty dang impressive how much work they put into yeah, it. Yeah, I did. I noticed Mina Kimes and her dog at some point in there. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, they did a really. I thought they did a really good job with that. So yeah, I mean Stephen A. Good. Smith standing outside team. the Dallas uh, social media team bus. Yeah, yeah, and he's standing there in a, in a cowboy hat and just like <laughs> oh, chef's kiss and so many of those little pieces <laughs> yeah. they put in there. We have like a group chat for vikings entertainment network on slack and we kind of share these kind of ideas to that other teams are doing to like you know inspire others and the titans one with the fans on broadway was dropped in yeah and i loved your comment you were like they spent all this money yeah to get keith urban and a whole cast of characters at roberts on broadway and then the thing that just absolutely killed and stole the entire schedule release show from everyone's production values was a Man on the street, yeah, asking yeah. fans what mascots, I, what teams by their mascot logo. I, I think it was one of those at the time when I initially looked at it, the one that would have spent ungodly hours, man production, you know, everything for all of it had like sixteen hundred likes or something, and the the man on the street one from Broadway was at like. 30,000 or 40,000. And I'm like, it's got to be so frustrating <laughs> to put that much time and effort into all of these huge names, coordinating it, shooting it, lighting it, editing everything. And then to go in and just have people be idiots on the street yeah. and having that just completely blown away. And kudos to them. They put both of them out simultaneously. 
But it was just crazy to me that uh, production-wise, the amount of time and effort they put into it, and it just got absolutely obliterated. I'm by wondering if it was supposed to be like a TikTok release, like you know how we had the the Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. and Andrew DePaula and Nick Mullins kids do a kid release, which sure. was also adorable. If you haven't seen that on TikTok, you should go. That was like our TikTok release. I'm wondering if that was supposed to be the the TikTok release, Probably. and then it just literally ended up on. Having like Mainstream. millions and yeah. millions of views. Oh my god! I, I just... feel like if like it talking about tapping into your culture, the nat, the Tennessee Titans tap into else. their culture, and like I that's why I appreciated that so much. Like I mean, the you you love big productions and whatnot, but it's like who are we? Like what are we doing? And like the fact that you can do that and like make it brilliant. There's two places you could have done that. I know. It was so well yeah. done. It would have been Broadway and Las Vegas Boulevard. Those are the only two places <laughs> you'd okay, have been able to here, do that. Here's my thing. I think you could do it on Bourbon Street at the right oh, time. True. But here's my thing with Las Vegas Boulevard. I went there during the draft, and I tried to do Man on the Street, and I was asking some Minnesota questions, and nobody really played along. Maybe the sure. logos would be better. But I have to say kudos to the Titans, because even just the way that the the sequence in which they edited it all together yeah. really just sang. Like, having the girl at the, the, the beginning drop an F-bomb, <laughs> and then having the explanate, like, having the reactions, and then showing the logo of what they're talking about. Because if you did it the opposite way, it's just not the same effect. Yes. Yeah. And so the reveal was always just like St. Louis Saints, and yeah. it's just ridiculous. And I'm just wondering if these people knew like you have to ask them if they're okay to be on it they I say think they yes i gotta sign a waiver or something you gotta give a, you gotta give permission to be i mean used for that. maybe they've seen it i don't know but but here but like the one girl who called them the red stallions yes the <laughs> falcons just like tweeted out her photo yeah. and said the red stallions have got to go so you're i'm thinking like this girl just goes out to broadway one day in a black tank top <laughs> just minding her own business and then now she's like an internet sensation uh, hats off to atlanta for being willing to do that too. i love that you know just it, it that was the thing that that was fun about it too it just feel, felt like everyone played along with it and i think all the news outlets and everybody picked up on it as well it was it was a lot of fun so it, atlanta florida dolphins yeah. that was a good one too i like, like the 49 or 69 or stars <laughs> like, like, what? The, the texan people, texans man. people yeah. I mean, there were times when they were like saying things where I was like, oh, they got this. They totally got this. And then it's like Cowboys, Colts. Yeah. Uh, the other one was the uh, that doesn't exist. And it was the Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, which is great for them because it's they're obviously AFC yes, rivals. rivals. So I love that. Well, uh, we're going to bring in Alec Lewis in just a second. But before we do, I know we talk about this with him. So I wanted to get your opinions on this as well. Uh, there was a tweet coming out recently. Top 10 offenses in the NFL post draft yeah missing on the milk carton <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings and I'm just wondering why do we think why do we think they were left off why uh why these offices are better like the Chargers are up there and I get the Chargers are good I still feel like people don't trust Kirk Cousins yeah and that's like the main reason because you see the weapons but I feel like experts look at it and say well Kirk you just don't trust him in crunch time and in the league of what have you done for me lately, Kirk's last play as a Minnesota Viking mm-hmm. last year was check down uh, to TJ Hawkinson. So the 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 weapons are there, but I, yeah, not I much guess, has yeah, changed. I guess people just don't don't trust Kirk yet. So uh, if there's anything on this that would put them in the top ten, I think it's also part of the reason why we have five primetime games so far in the schedule. Yeah, yeah. You have a guy who was a offensive player of the year. Uh, you have a guy who is potentially face of the league coming up here in different facets. 
And I think it blows my mind to think that we added a guy in Jordan Addison, you have a TJ Hawkinson, and you have a basically what a lot of people are consensus at least number two in the NFC quarterback wise. And you're telling me that. Um, you're telling me that Brock Purdy potentially coming back from injury is going to have a better offense than the Vikings. Yeah. I, it, to me, it, it just, you look at who's on here Philly, Dallas, San Francisco, and Detroit. Those are your NFC representatives. Uh, when you're talking purely when you're on here where it says top 10 offenses, I think the whole idea, and we've heard Quasey and Kevin talk about this, their whole thing is we're just going to try to sprint people. We're going to try to score. Oh, so track as, me. And that's what that's the thing. We're going to try to score as many points as possible. So, it, hey, keep throwing this kind of bulletin board material out there. There's going to be a lot of people upset in that locker room. And that's the thing. Like, you think about it. They they don't mind being doubted. They were doubted last year. And even if you win the championship, you don't have much turnover on offense. You're still being doubted. I don't think they mind being in that position. Yeah, I mean, the, the best position to be in is underrated. I'd much rather be yeah. underrated. And overpaid, then overrated and underpaid. So, oh, there we go. Well, on that we'll note, see. someone who is not overrated <laughs> yeah. and probably underpaid. You know, uh, we'll see. He he makes he should athletic. make he should it's make the, the big bucks is what we are going to say here. Is uh, Alec Lukes, and we'll bring him in the podcast now. And now joining us on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, the Athletics Alec Lewis, who has been feverishly busy writing about rookie minicamp, about the trade today, about schedule release. There's just been a lot going on after a, a little bit more of a quieter offseason. Alec, how's it going? It's great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be here. I enjoyed being out there for rookie minicamp. It was like pretty perfect weather, like 65 degrees. I guess it could have been sunny, but I, I enjoyed being out there. That, that was the moral of it. <laughs> what stood out to you about rookie minicamp? I mean, there were two things. One, Kevin O'Connell really, um, the amount of emphasis he put on, like, how serious they were taking it. It wasn't, like, an overly serious thing, but it was mostly, like, we've talked so much about player development and how important we feel that is. And when I say we, like, that was him talking about both he and Kwesi Adofa Mensa and really just the entire team's, like, executive group. And I think when you're introducing new rookies, like, that is a period at which you can really capitalize on the player development. So that was one of them. And the other was just, I mean, really, like how fluid Jordan Addison looked. I mean, I know that's pretty basic, but the way I described it um, in the story I wrote after rookie minicamp was like, when you're young or when you go to like a, a, your your nephew's like youth sporting event, like you can kind of just tell pretty quickly like the kid who's like really athletic and fluid and just natural. And that is just how Jordan Addison looked among uh, guys who are, who are competing and trying out for, for an NFL spot. So that was, that was, those were to me the two takeaways that I, I exited with. Yeah. I think if you were out there, you kind of, it's hard to tell and gather a ton of info because they are working on so many fundamentals it's drills at the end of the day. There's no contact. There's none of that, that you can really start kind of, evaluating players and again these guys are like just out of college so they're just trying to like catch them up to the NFL but I know that you know there's been some hype around a couple of undrafted free agents especially the linebackers that uh, you also wrote about one of them what sticks out to you about Andre Carter the second who's uh, an exciting outside linebacking prospect 
Yeah, he's huge. Um, that's <laughs> yes. the first thing that that sticks out. Just walking. Uh, I mean, after Kevin O'Connell's press conference the day that we were out there for rookie minicamp, um, Andre Carter was just walking around, and I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I was like, who is that gigantic uh, athlete? Who, who? I mean, he doesn't look like. Uh, I mean, he looks kind of like a basketball player. I think that's that's also hmm. how I thought about it, and. I think in some ways that speaks to the development that, that the Vikings are hoping to see with him and that he does need to get a little bigger. He does need to get a little stronger to be able to impact games on the edge in the NFL. But I know the team really prioritized him, and I think they're really happy that they were able to add him um, to their undrafted free agent group. I mean, the, the other guy that I think is really interesting and, and is Ivan Pace Jr. He played at Cincinnati. Kevin O'Connell said, like, you watch his film – He's one of the best linebackers on tape in this entire draft, and the fact that the Vikings could add him in the undrafted uh, portion um, was really interesting. So those those two guys and just their athleticism, I think some of their production in college, both guys put up really good numbers at times in college, um, and I think they're two guys that Vikings fans should probably just keep an eye on as this entire summer and fall does develop. As you know, the the spring and summer and fall develops. Are, are there any storylines that you're you know focused on now that rookie minicamp is out the way, and some of those guys? Well, I guess a lot of the rookies that have been signed are now with some of those veterans. Yeah, I mean the things for me that I'm looking at are, are Daniel Hunter and his contract situation. I mean he's only I believe due to make around five and a half million dollars of base salary, so that's, that's something that I'm thinking about. The other thing is, is the Justin Jefferson extension and the potential of that. But I, I, I mean, both of those are kind of obvious talking points. And for me, I, I, maybe this is boring or this people can scream at me for it, but I think the Kirk Cousins um, year two and Kevin O'Connell's offense and the comfort there and just Kirk in general, um, he's just always been fascinating to me. And I think the more I've, I've been around him up close, the more I've, I don't know, just, just think some of the things that he, he has to navigate on a weekly basis and how he has been able to do that. Um, it's just always going to probably pique my interest. So how he handles this year and, and leading into this fall, I think um, is something I'm really looking forward to just watching, observing, and, and trying to learn about, really. Yeah, we were just talking about – a tweet that came out ranking, you know, now it's not like we're not like saying this is, you know, the holy grail of all tweets, but like top 10 offenses post NFL draft and the Vikings were not in it. <laughs> they were not in the top the 10. Disrespect. I I mean, I disagree. Maybe call me a homer. That's totally fine. But after what you just said about, you know, watching Kirk and, and growing in Kevin O'Connell's offense and not really losing too many uh, names from the previous season where they were a top 10 offense, except for maybe Adam Thielen. I mean, what are your thoughts, Alec? Would you defend them as a top 10 offense? Yeah, I think I would. And my reasoning is, is I mean, obviously I, I could send that person a Justin Jefferson highlight tape and that would probably <laughs> help. But um, my reasoning would actually probably be about the offensive line um, – kind of its second year of of all five guys who started last season being together working with Chris Cooper the offensive line coach I I really like Garrett Bradbury and Brian O'Neill both talked probably in the last month about just the importance of of the continuity within that room but also the importance of continuity with coach Chris Cooper who they both raved about and so I think it's a little bit 
of an underrated and probably just not like the sexiest like conversation point to talk about the offensive line's continuity, but I think it really matters. And when you have that and you have guys who believe in, in kind of the trajectory of the offensive line room alongside all the weapons that the team obviously has and a coach who is um, on the forefront of offensive football, I think you have a recipe for um, what I believe is going to be a top 10 offense. Well, you know, it's good to have the offensive linebacker, right? Because that's where it starts. But if you move to the, the defensive line or outside linebackers, you have a story on The Athletic right now that is titled Vikings Trades Darius Smith, Why Minnesota Move from the Pro Bowl Pass Rusher. Can, can you explain that a little bit, why he's not in purple again this year? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, to money and what Darius Smith's um, hopes were. I mean, he signed initially with the Vikings a, a three-year deal that was kind of backloaded, but nothing in the back was guaranteed. And so after he produced the way he perceived he did, which, I mean, he did record 10 sacks last year, and, and his pressure rate specifically through the first 10 weeks of the year was, was elite, um, I think he believed he uh, deserved a certain amount of money. The Vikings, um, they, I mean, they're obviously, they've been captain strained the entire offseason. Uh, they look at Darius Smith and, and – he is. There's no doubt that he is aging, and um, he navigated multiple injuries and has over the years. And so I think they just didn't want to to, to re to rip up his contract and re up there. And and especially after they signed Marcus Davenport as another edge rusher alongside Daniel Hunter, I think we all kind of expected this to to happen. But um, I think as in most cases, this, this is a business and. And two sides want two different wants, and you try to work together to make it happen. Um, and and in this case, obviously, the result was the Darius Smith being moved. And and I know that you mentioned Marcus Davenport as someone that could fill that void that Zadarius leaves in the roster. Is there any other name or names that you might be watching to see take a leap to be able to fill in that production? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and they're kind of going to have to. Guys like Patrick Jones and guys like DJ Wanham, who we saw last year and have seen over the years in spurts. Like, I I, I mean, I, I go back to last training camp, I believe Mike Smith, the Vikings pass rush specialist, talked about Patrick Jones as a guy who he's like, look, this is, we, I mean, we really, uh, he, he's got one of the best get offs in terms of roughing, rushing the passer on our roster and in our room. And, I think the Vikings are going to need to see that from a guy like him. I, I, I mean, of the two guys, Patrick Jones, is, to me, was the one who flashed maybe a little bit more. So I, I, and, and I thought um, he was really good at times kind of operating behind, behind Zedarius and, and Daniil. So I'm looking forward to see him. And I also think, like Marcus Davenport we talked about, but I, I think the upside exists to be a little bit, bit higher of what we've seen in the past. Now he's got to stay healthy. Um, and I think the Vikings are going to have to put him in situations where he can thrive, but I think it's possible that he kind of outproduces how people might uh, project him to produce just on the surface. Okay, Alec, we prepared you for this, so you knew that you were walking into this, but we are going to kind of go through the schedule game by game. You can say win or loss. If you want to say something a little extra, we'd love to hear it. Um, I know already, let me preface this, that there was an article on The Athletic where you chose that Philly game, the Thursday night football, four days after the opener as the must-watch game. So before we get to each one, why did you single that one out? I think just because I thought about last year's Philly game and how it was the same week 
It was on pri- in prime time, and it, it just, I don't know, to yeah. me it really, like, Seriously. it set the stage for the season. It, it made people think pretty critically about what the team could be, and so I, I think that's, that's why I chose it. I, I also just think the Vikings are going to be pretty motivated, given what happened last mm-hmm. year, to, to go in there and, and, and kind of flip the result. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it's probably going to be extremely difficult, but um, that's why I chose that one. Outside of playing Green Bay, is there a better team to play week one at home than the, the Tampa Baker Mayfields? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Um, I don't I, – I, I'm probably not, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I do think they have some interesting pieces, and, like, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to test the cornerback depth from the very <laughs> sure. beginning. Very. But, um, but, but those guys have to uh, be thrown the football. That's and very so, true. Yeah, that's uh, – that's why I um I think you're probably right there, Gabe. Which so that is that a W? Dub? Uh yes. Yes. All right, what yes. about Philly then, right after? I'm gonna project a loss. Um it's kinda I'm going chalk, but um yeah. I, okay. I don't have a ton of analysis. Philly is just such a talented team yeah. and, and stacked really, so Well, sixteen and one is still intact, so LA Chargers up next. Um I went through this in my head, and I, I know you guys are looking for rapid fire, but that doesn't really work with me. I'm going to say they win that game. Okay, that was rapid fire. Come on now. Uh, the next game, okay. they're on the road at Carolina up against former teammate Adam Thielen and his new crew with Bryce Young, a, you know, a guy that uh, went to Alabama, which I know you love. Yeah, selfishly, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to watching Bryce Young in person, but that's a Vikings win. I mean, you look at this next week. Like, Kansas City is the first of four games this year where they're playing teams that were in conference championships last year. So when you look at that Kansas City Chiefs game, is that a win or is that a loss? I think it's going to be a loss. um, Mostly because I just can't really create uh, a uh, a window in my head to pick against Patrick Mahomes, really, for anybody. But, um, yeah, so I'll say a loss there. Yeah, apparently Patrick Mahomes, according to Alec, will go undefeated this season. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not a bad assessment. That's not a bad assessment. No, though. I mean they're they're definitely better, worse bets you Talented can make. Football players. All right, the next week, the first divisional game at Chicago Vikings kick off that NFC North campaign, or at least the defending NFC North championship campaign against the Bears. Uh, what do we think about that one? I think that's a win. I think the Bears are going to be better, um, but I, I don't think their roster um, or kind of the structure of their team is nearly as good as Minnesota. So I'll say that's a win. I think we're at four and two here. I got to keep track of that. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're keeping track of it for you. We got you okay. right here. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good. Thank you. Monday Night Football. Dun 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 dun. San Francisco 49ers. What you got? That's a loss. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I thought the music would get you. I'm sorry, man. No, yeah, no, it was a good attempt game. It was but well no, done. Not because, not because of prime time, but because the 49ers and their, and their pass rush, it's just, I mean, they, they are really tough. Okay, after that, you get a uh, short week to face Green Bay in Lambeau Field. Uh, Halloween weekend, what do we think? I'm going to project a loss here, and um, it's not one that Vikings people listening to this podcast uh, are going to enjoy, but that is just how I feel. I, I, I really um, last year's game in Lambeau kind of sticks with me for, for um, not the most positive reasons because of just how much of a mess it seems. So yeah, I'll say a loss. No love lost there, but what about 
November 5th, the first. You know what? The fact that you have us, what? Four and four. Four and four. And four. So in the month of October, one and one. It's not Kirktober anymore. Not Kirktober. You got us two and three in Kirktober. (laughs) But we'll move on to November at Atlanta, the second of back-to-back road games. Who you got? Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings in Atlanta. I think Atlanta, and I wrote about this, I mean, they have added a ton to their defense. And I think offensively they have some nice weapons, but Minnesota's the better team than Atlanta. And so, uh, yeah, Vikings. The next weekend, the New Orleans Saints back at U.S. Bank Stadium. What you got? Another win. Um, the Vikings, I believe, are, 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 again, the better team than the Saints. I know the Saints added Derek Carr. And, um, yeah, the Saints lost one of their key defensive coaches and Ryan Nielsen, who actually interviewed for the Vikings job. So I'm taking Vikings. The next week is interesting to me. Sunday night football is the most interesting part because it's at Denver, a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah, I think I'm going to predict a, a – I, I went through this exercise, but I think I'm going to predict the Vikings win here. I mean, in, at Denver is going to be tough. I believe, again, it's in prime time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't I, – as much as I, I respect Sean Payton and, and I think they'll be better, I just – I'm not totally sure. Um, so I'll take the Vikings. Is Sean Payton dangerous enough? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I like to play on words. Thank you. Thank you so much. I like much. to play on words. Yeah, it was a deep cut. No, well, he wasn't. Um, a three-game win streak now for you, Alec, heading into a Monday night football game at home against the Bears the week before the bye. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think the Vikings are going to um, beat the Bears at home, and I think that'll be a pretty fun atmosphere Monday night against the okay. Bears. If the Vikings are, are uh, do what they're supposed to do, that should be a pretty fun one. Yeah, especially right before the bye, which means Vikings fans can head to Vegas early before the December 10th game against the Raiders. So who you got that week? I've got a great trip um, for everybody <laughs> who's going out there. Uh, but I'm going to take uh, I- I'm going to take the Vikings. I, I-, I think I'm I'm really um, I'm adapting my picks in terms of positivity uh, hmm. compared to how I went through the exercise. But that, that should be fun because. Kevin O'Connell and Josh McDaniels are, are really close. Josh has been a mentor of Kevin's for a long time. So um, I expect some like fun, uh, a little back-and-forth lead-up in that week. On the home stretch here, a road game after that. So back-to-back at Cincinnati. We're not sure day or time. Going in to play Joe Burrow and, the, and Jamar Chase connection. What is, uh, what's that one? Yeah. Uh, the, the winning streak ends uh, in Cincinnati. I, I, I just think they're so talented and, and really well coached. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati there. Well, in back-to-back years, we've played on, these, on on Christmas Eve. So this year is against the Detroit Lions, a team that's favored to possibly be in a Super Bowl. You got the Vikings winning or losing that game? I think it, when I first went through um, – by myself, I think I had the Vikings winning, but I think I'm going to take – I might take the Lions here. I think I'm going to flip it. I'm, I'm very um, back and forth on this the Vikings-Lions this year. I will tell you, Brian Flores has given Jared Goff so much trouble in the past. And so I think among the Brian Flores qualities, what he's going to do, I think one of the things is, is he gives you a chance in the division against the team that's projected to win uh, from an odd perspective and so um i I know i'm saying that but i'm gonna take the lions in that game okay rounding this out with a new year's eve sunday night football game 
at home against Green Bay. Vikings ending the season with dome games, so no weather. These last final three games will be a factor. How do we feel about the second Packers game? You had us losing the first one. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings. <laughs> Just um, reminding at you. Home against- uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings at home against the Packers. They'll get it back. Um, got it. And, and yeah, yeah. That'll be an electric atmosphere. You would have got canceled if you came to the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> podcast and said the Vikings will lose to the Packers careful, twice. But I, bet, I, I will say, I've been pretty positive. What, what's the record? Oh, here? right now I you're 10 and 6. We're 10 and 6. For, yeah, I mean, we'll take it. Back to back winning 10 okay. win seasons since okay. 2009. I love it. Okay. And but, there's still one to go at Detroit. I said Detroit at home, and I projected in my my story at the Athletic ten and seven. But I'm actually, in, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say the Vikings win in Detroit. They get them back, um, and that's an NFC North title ceiling game. Wow! Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go with the the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, and their ability to game plan at Detroit and make that happen. That's amazing. Okay, eleven and six. Eleven. And, I love that. I think he, he gave us a one-game improvement from his original prediction because he's on the Vikings podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that, that. But I'm also no. It's, I'm, I mean, you, it's okay. Just kidding. Great, doing good. Yeah, eleven and six. Well, Alec, we love your work. You can catch it over at theathletic.com. What well, I know that uh, before we got on the call with you today, you were saying you're working on a piece about one of the Vikings rookies. You want to tease that for our Vikings fans listening? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I've done a lot of work talking to people who have spent time around Jaron Hall and that's private quarterback coaches. That's his offensive coordinator at BYU. And um, I don't know, he, he's a really interesting guy and I think a, um, a leader in the capacity that, that Vikings fans will really gravitate to. Um, so, yeah, a uh, story coming on Jaron Hall. And then we'll have a couple other things later this week and early next. So um, the work doesn't stop. No, never does. The it. NFL is a 24-7 season. And you do good work, my friend. Appreciate you. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate yeah. you guys having me. Of Always course, fun. yes. Oh, no. Yeah, we want to make sure you make your tea time. So uh, a lot of Minnesota <laughs> people will definitely relate to that. Again, <laughs> again, you can catch his work at theathletic.com or follow him at Alec underscore Lewis. That's A-L-E-C. Thank you, guys. Just in time. Go have some fun. Alec Lewis, the athletic phenomenal person, does phenomenal work. And another phenomenal piece of work that we are promoting here at the Minnesota Vikings podcast is the Bob Hagen podcast. Jay, I, I know you've been a part of that for <laughs> feels like a, a long time now. He, Bob Hagen recently retired. Just a legend here with this Minnesota Vikings uh, organization. Just can you can you give fans an explanation what of what is going on with that? Yeah, sounds great. Uh you know, Craig Peters is a writer here for the Vikings. He did a really uh cool and in-depth story. Bob Hagen was here since 1991. Um it was announced kind of this past offseason that he's going to be moving into more of a uh consultant and advisory role. I know he's still running around the building, but as far as uh he's kind of pulling back a little bit and doing a uh, a retirement piece, and we wanted to make sure to give Bob Hagen his flowers. Uh, Bob's got such incredible stories and friends within this industry. He's kind of the friend to everybody. Um, his uh, entire span of 30-plus years working for the organization, he has some incredible stories, and we wanted to talk to both Bob and everybody else that's been involved with it. I know there's a lot of people here within PR um, local sports people, Joe Schmidt, Randy Shaver, Don Mitchell, uh, Sam Farmer from the LA Times, Peter King. 
King, um, just a whole host of people that wanted to be a part of this and to kind of give their take on it. And there's even a really cool Fran Tarkington story. Uh, he was Bob's uh, childhood mm. idol and he got to meet him and then, you know, over the years got to be to befriend him. And um, kind of some of the other great stories that are in there, too, are his time with both uh, Sid Hartman and Bud Grant. And some of those are incredible. So um, there's going to be kind of a joint thing that's going to come out here. There's going to be a longer podcast that we're going to put out here later this week. And then Craig Peters has, like I said, a supplemental written piece that's going to go with it. And within there, there's actually going to be some embedded um, nuggets that were left out of the main piece regarding Bob's history with uh, pizza, hmm. uh, this legendary story of him helping Sid Hartman meet Prince at the Super Bowl right before his Insane. crazy story, and um, Bob's love of tennis and, and being able to go to Wimbledon. So there's a bunch of different things within this. There's going to be the longer podcast that will come out on this normal feed just like your MVP and then on top of that, make sure to check out Craig Peters' written story about Bob. Bob is an absolute uh, legend here internally. We love him. And, um, you know, it's going to be weird to see him kind of pull back a little yeah. bit. But at the same point, you're going to get a really good taste here of, of what Bob meant to everybody. And it's really cool. Looking forward to seeing how that turns out. I know there's so many people that have done so much work making that come to life. And uh, ultimately, it's, just, it's a celebration of, of Bob Hagen um, for, for what he's done here uh, in this organization. Uh, Jay, just just final thoughts on just this week. We got schedule release finally out the way. It's finally football season. Rookie minicamp is over. So yep. it's, I mean, the team is the team at this point. That's the thing. The guys, you're seeing more and more of the guys in the building doing workouts. And, and it, it's that time of year where you're ramping, easing into the actual football side. It's great to see the weather changing and seeing the guys hmm. out there. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, new guys, too, walking around the building, kind of trying to point them in the right direction if you need to. Um, but it is fun to see everybody out, and it just kind of helps give you a little bit more juice this time of year to feel like football's right around the corner. I love it. This was a great podcast. Yeah, it was, was fun. A- it was fun to have you guys here, and I think uh, Alec Lewis was great as well, so it was cool to you know, put this thing together, and uh, you know, looking forward to doing it again next week. For Jay Nelson, Tatum Everett, Mr. Alec Lewis from The Athletic. My name is Gabe Henderson. We'll talk to you guys next week.